Welcome to the Alien Beer Podcast. I'm Chrissy Garrison, and I will be reading my science fiction stories to you. It's time for another bonus episode. This time I'm bringing you the first chapter of my first Tipsy Fairy Tales novel, Blue Spirit, as read by Stephanie Estes. Chapter 1 I could tell by the way my shadow jumped up and down that Minnie wanted my attention. She picked an inconvenient time for it, too, rolling down the road on a bus on my way to work in the afternoon shift at Starbucks. In order to talk to her, even see her, I'd have to take a swig of vodka from the flask I keep in my roomy purse. I looked around at my fellow passengers. A matron in teddy bear scrubs warmed the whole left side of my body as we sat facing the aisle. I could imagine her sweat mingling with mine in the summer heat. On my right, a little teenage skater boy kept sneaking looks up at me. I didn't care for the creepy way he kept scrunching up closer every time I caught him looking, but he seemed harmless, so I decided he could have the cheap thrill as long as he continued to mind his manners before one of us reached our respective stop. My shadow waved at me, frantic about getting my attention. I sighed and rolled my eyes. Minnie could be quite insistent. Fine, I'll risk it this once. The crammed bus bumped along, every seat filled. Some people stood, hanging onto rails. A stop was requested. We three swayed together, right, then left, as the bus slowed and stopped. I took the opportunity to pretend to drop my purse. The bus hissed and groaned as it kneeled to be closer to the ground, for the departing and boarding passengers. I leaned over and set my fast-food drink cup on the floor and popped the top. I felt sneaky and a little guilty as I slipped my flask out of my purse and tipped it into the open cup. The leftover ice crackled and popped as the alcohol flowed over it. I sealed the lid and screwed my flask shut and hoped no one saw me put it back. I heard the door slap shut and someone's feet almost stepped on my purse, so I sat up and stared ahead of me without looking at anyone. I crossed my feet at the ankles, the chains on my boots tinkling against each other. The nurse matron was sitting stiffer next to me on one side, and I felt the stare of the skater boy on the other heating up the side of my face. Damn, they noticed. Oh well, nothing to lose now. I sipped at the alcohol and watery flat diet coke and felt the familiar warmth spread down and throughout my body. I took a deep breath and enjoyed the sensation, pretending for a moment that I didn't care what the strangers pressing on me either side thought. I opened my eyes and looked down where my shadow had been jerking and jumping around. It was back to being just my shadow, but leaning on the toe of my left boot was Minnie. Short for Minnie-me, since the resemblance is uncanny. Except she's a little scrunched and squat, where I'm tall and willowy, as everyone says. She's also got little vampire fangs and jet-black hair, where mine's just plain dishwater blonde. Today, she wore a gauzy navy-blue cloud of a dress that she could have stolen from a plus-sized Barbie doll. Minnie grinned up at me and blew me a kiss. Conscious of my neighbors once again, I wrinkled my nose in irritation at the fairy. Well, okay, so she's not a fairy, and neither are the other beings I see when I've had a little bit to drink. Then again, I suspect they're what inspired fairy stories in the first place. The creatures just hate the name. I think that's because these days, most people think of pretty little things like Tinkerbell, 
rather than the scarier beings in the brothers' grim stories. Minnie stuck her tongue out at me and favored me with a syrupy smile. I'll bet you didn't notice. Again, you really should pay better attention, Skye. No one could hear her but me, but I couldn't answer out loud, not unless I wanted people to think I was crazy, talking to myself. I mean, the bus is the place to do that sort of things, if you're so inclined. I see some of these people on a regular basis, so they don't need to think that kind of thing about me. Sure, maybe I am a little crazy. Plenty of my friends and acquaintances think so. It's nothing serious in any case, and many people think my eccentricities are endearing. What can I say? I'm just charming that way. Humble, too. I pursed my lips and furrowed my brow, imagining that I looked stern. Minnie laughed and pointed. For a moment, I thought she was pointing at me, but I followed her finger to the skater boy next to me. It was my turn to sneak a glance. The kid looked away, down at his feet. His shoes were two different color Converse canvas shoes, one red and one black, both weathered to the point of fraying around the edges. His socks didn't match either. One was striped green and black, the other striped orange and blue. He wore dirty khaki shorts big enough to accommodate two of him, cinched around his hips with a belt. His blue moon and stars boxers rose a couple of inches above the waistband of his shorts. His bright green Incredible Hulk t-shirt looked newer than his other clothes. A furry hat held down his shaggy hair. Except that's not all I saw. You know those pictures they sell around Halloween time? The ones where you think you see a dignified man in a Victorian suit, but when you move to the right a little, the picture changes to show him with rotting zombie flesh, exposed bones? Well, that's how I see some people when alcohol allows me to see with my second sight. The other image I saw of this kid was of a wolf man. The hat revealed to be real furry ears, his wolfish grin literal now, complete with tongue lolling over sharp teeth. He caught me looking and grinned even bigger, though I wouldn't have thought he could. Crap, too late to look away. My smile, I realized, felt sheepish at that point and I didn't want to be a sheep with the way he was looking at me. I felt a tugging at my skirt. I looked back to my lap. Minnie dangled from its denim hem. She snapped the fingers of her free hand. Hey, stop that! The wolf kid glanced down now at Minnie, and the wolf kid licked his chops. Minnie scaled my legs and disappeared into my open purse with a squeak. Wolfie twitched, and I thought for a second he was going to lunge after Minnie. I flinched and pulled my bag closer to me. He snickered. I glared at him, drawing myself up just a bit, to show him that I stood head and shoulders taller than him. His grin retreated, and he backed up a couple of inches. Good. Nice to know I can be intimidating if I try. Once in a while. My stop approached, so rather than have a prolonged staring contest, I reached up behind me to pull the coated steel cord. The stop-requested sign lit up and dinged. Wolfie sighed and looked a lot more like a teenager than a predator. Was that a hint of apology in his eye? No matter. I hadn't seen him on this route before. Maybe I wouldn't run into him again. The bus slowed and stopped with a jerk at the next corner. I stood up before it came to a full stop and almost took a tumble. Wolfie grabbed my hand to steady me. Hmm, a budding gentleman in wolf's clothing... I favored him with a warmer smile as I made my way to the front and down the steps to the street. I thanked the driver. 
I found myself a little further from my stop than I wanted to walk. I sighed and slung my bag over a shoulder, the contents rattling and squeaking. I'd have been in a lot less trouble if you'd just told me later, you know? I scolded Minnie, who stayed in my bag for the moment. Hey, you were sitting next to a freaking wolf, dear heart. You want to be Red Riding Hood or Grandma, hmm? Minnie's voice was muffled, but she was close enough for me to hear. Sure, a wolf who's not old enough to shave in the real world. A wolf who'd look me straight in the boobs if we were face to face. Ooh, scary. The problem with intelligent discussions like this one, of course, is that it not only feels like I'm arguing with myself, I really kind of am. Whatever. It's in my best interest to look out for you, Gigantor. And I don't tell you about half the goons I see on the bus, you know. I let this sit for a moment, wondering what lurked on the buses that could be worse than the sneering punks and stinky bums I'd run into sometimes. I don't often ride the bus tipsy. I wondered if Indigo bus rides would be more entertaining if I did, or whether I might think twice about riding. I decided that for the moment. I didn't want to know. Say what you want about the bus. It gets around Indianapolis well enough when I don't want to have to beg rides from Stuart or my friends and co-workers. Growing up in Chicago, I never had to learn to drive, and so far, I'd done okay here too. Besides, cars have a lot of expenses that go with them, and I just didn't want to deal with all that. I walked the better part of a mile along the side of the busy road, crossing once, and my Starbucks came into view. I pulled my cell phone from my hip pocket and saw that I was going to be about fifteen minutes early, plenty of time to change into my uniform. The silent walk made me think that either my tiny spirit self had a case of the sulks, or my buzz had worn off and I couldn't hear her anymore. I decided it'd be a bad idea to show up with vodka on my breath, but didn't want to waste the booze, so as I entered the cafe, I snuck the covered cup into the vast, dark recesses of my purse as I retrieved my bundle of folded clothes. Daria winked at me from behind the counter as I made my way to the ladies' room. She was explaining the difference between an Americano and a regular decaf coffee to a couple of teen girls who didn't stop their texting to look up at her. Ah, customers. In the women's room, I hung my bag on the hook of the stall and stepped out of my boots and skirt and into my brown polyester slacks and boat shoes. My white polo shirt would do for a top, so I just pulled the green apron on and tied it behind my back. As I put my boots and skirt into my big purse, I thought about the six-hour shift ahead of me, and sighed. Like my speculation about drinking on the bus, I found myself wondering whether my shift would be more or less entertaining with booze. I decided to play it safe and leave that as a thought experiment. I stowed my purse upright under the counter, trying not to tip my cup inside. I joined Daria and Theo, my fellow baristas, with a smile. Daria let me take the next counter customer while she concocted something full of whipped cream and chocolate. It's not a bad job, and I think we get a ton more respect than fast food workers. My personal point of pride is that silly title, barista. It sounds exotic, foreign, and people say it with a bit of the respect they'd use to talk about their bartender. Well, that's how I see it anyway. It helps me get through my shifts. Besides, I get to work with some pretty cool folks. Daria's short, round, and adorable. I just want to take her home and keep her with my plushy collection sometimes. She tries to cover up the cute with her raunchy sense of humor, 
but it just makes me want to pinch her cherub-like cheeks and make coochie-coo noises over her. She pretends to hate that about me, but I can tell by the little flush to her cheeks that deep down she likes it. Theo's whip-wiry and nerdy. I can't help but think of Urkel when he greets me with his goofy grin. He'll never know of my super-secret childhood crush on Jaleel White. I mourned when I found out that the show had been in reruns, and our age difference would be too great to ignore. Lesai. I love nerdy guys. I'm not sure why. I just always have adored a guy who comes out of his shell to show his smarts. Besides, they're easy to butter up. Taller girls won't look at him twice, wanting some big bear of a man to make them feel small by comparison. Not me. Like Stuart, I met him when we both lived in Chicago. Our first romance started in character in a live-action role-playing game. I was like Morticia to his Gomez. Everyone but us saw through the transparent act before we did, and we found ourselves dating outside of the game as well as in. So, when he got a job down here in Indiana, I gave up my last ties to the Windy City and followed him. A customer said my name. It might not have been the first time. I'd been daydreaming. It always irks me when someone uses my name tag against me. It's even still got the funny typo saying sky, like the vodka. Monica kept promising I'd get a new name tag when everyone did when the next uniform order came in. Meanwhile, I had to put up with all the amused comments from customers who think they're the first person ever to crack a joke about wanting some of that in their coffee. Ha, huh. me too, sweeties. After covering for my laps, most of my shift sped by. I caught a few odd things out of the corner of my eye, a grotesque shadow where it shouldn't be, a distorted reflection of something supernatural for an instant, before a blink of my eyes restored them to a businesswoman, or a professor type, or a gaggle of kids. That happens with my second sight. It can be unpredictable, showing me glimpses and peeks into the shadow world when I'm paying the least attention, most of all when I'm tired or distracted. I didn't get any more frantic warnings from Minnie, at least, so I felt pretty safe. Indy seemed a lot safer in general that way. Up in Chicago, I'd had glimpses of nightmares that I don't care to recall, even in broad daylight. Not that Chicago's a bad place. It was my home for most of my life, after all, and it'll always be a part of me. But it's a bigger, tougher place than Indy, and I think more things hide in a crowd up there than down here. Plus... It was where I met the demon. Brr, let's not think about that right now. Later. Toward the end of my shift, the crowd slowed down for dinner time. They'd be back and forth after a full meal for evening meetups. Daria left for home as Monica arrived to preside over the evening shift. I was tending to the thin stream of commuter customers, cleaning as I went so that I'd be able to leave on time. Monica's kind of hard-ass about that, She's been known to make someone work after clocking out because they didn't clean their station to her satisfaction. She's not a tyrant, but it's obvious my stocky manager enjoys what power she wields. McLeod, here comes your man, said Monica, her tone holding an unspoken warning. Stuart? Mon, I worked through my break. Can I please just go say hi? Monica sighed and nodded. Go, just take off the apron while you're on break, okay? I let out a happy noise and gave her a quick hug. It was like hugging a mannequin. I guess I should have known hugs were wasted on Monica, but what can I say? I'm a hugger. 
I gave Theo a quick look, too, since he was already moving to cover the next customer at the counter for me. I glanced at the customer and got a sudden chill. On the surface, she was just another teen girl trying to look more grown-up by buying high-end coffee. With skin pale as sour cream, her shiny, bottle-black bobbed hair framed her face. She had cherry-stained, pouty lips and enough eyeliner to make Johnny Depp jealous. Her deep purple stretchy velvet scoop neck top fit her form in a way that made me think of sensuous fuzzy eggplants. I almost giggled. I know her. People called her Queenie. A recent addition to our live-action vampire game, she'd already risen above my rank in only a few weeks. I suspected her eggplants had something to do with it. She was an odd one, though. In a vampire game, she chose to play a werewolf. Several of the younger guys had given up better ranks among the vamps to follow her around as wolf pups. I thought maybe she and Wolfie from the bus would get along just swell. For his sake, I kind of hoped they wouldn't meet. Queenie'd lead him around by the nose, and he'd do pretty much whatever she asked. Now, I'm not above wanting that kind of attention, but Queenie hadn't done much for the game as a whole to deserve it. While I'd paid my dues and helped further plots and intrigue over the past year or so that I'd been in it. The thralls who sucked up to me, well, they were fun, but I didn't abuse the privilege. Not much, anyway. She flicked her eyes up to meet mine and allowed her cherry lips to curve just a little. I thought of Elvis, and the comparison snapped me out of it. I smiled back and made a tiny bow to show I remembered her from the game. She didn't acknowledge me, though. She transfixed poor little Theo with a hundred-watt smile. Hello? Stuart was at the end of the counter, waving a hand slowly in the air to get my attention. Right, Stuart. I pulled the apron over my head and tossed it on my back and skipped over to him, kissing the top of his head. Aren't you sweet, stopping by after getting off of work? Stuart tilted his head up to kiss me on the lips, just a quick little peck. I'm sure he just didn't want to get me in trouble with the boss. He took my hand and led me over to a couch so we could sit together for a few minutes. Figured you'd appreciate a ride, he began, his cute pudgy butt sinking into the soft leather couch. I plopped down next to him, making him pop up as the cushion plumped up. I laughed as he grabbed the arm of the couch to steady himself. He sighed. So, does this mean we can finally go goodwill hunting? I was pushing my luck. Stuart hates shopping, clothes shopping in particular. You'd think just getting to see me model them would be incentive enough. Well, a girl can hope, can't she? Well, I've got a raid online later I've got to run, he began, a bit of a whine in his voice. I matched him wine for wine, hamming it up. But Stewie... He hates when I call him Stewie. The Don's Macabre is Saturday. I need to get a dress, and I need time to alter it. You know, to bring the sexy to the partay. I wiggled my eyebrows, hoping this would add spice to the pot. Stuart sighed. If you can make it quick, we can go. He didn't get to finish because I pounce-hugged him. Thank you, baby. I knew I meant more to you than killing orcs with nerds you've never met. Stuart laughed and hugged me back. You talk like you've never played Warcraft with me, Miss Night Elf Paladin. Sure, I've played. I play a couple times a week. I have fun at it, too. But with Stuart, it's easier to count the hours of his free time he's not glued to the computer doing raids over and over. I decided not to go there, though, since I know when to quit when I'm ahead. Sometimes.
I thanked him with a few more kisses, making him give me a bit more than a peck. I liked that I could melt him like this. All too soon my break was over, and sighed as Monica tapped an imaginary watch on her wrist. I left Stuart there and fetched my apron. My bag started to tip, and I thought of the booze and caught it in time and made sure it sat upright. I smiled and greeted my next customer, a cute little old man with a rumpled hat. Behind him, a shadow seemed to pass over the sun outside, as though night had fallen all at once. I looked away from the man to see better, but now all I saw was daylight. Am I seeing things, or is Minnie up to something? No way. She'd never been able to do anything quite that impressive to get my attention. The little old man looked around to follow my gaze. His eyes locked onto Queenie, who slutted her way to the door. He smiled and looked back at me and said, Sweetheart, I've seen the type. She's trouble. I started to ask him what he meant when she opened the door. The glass all around still showed the daytime parking lot, but within the frame of the open door, it was a nighttime forest, a full moon hanging in the sky. I'm sure I must have gaped. I know I had to close my mouth after the door shut. The old guy made another remark, but I didn't hear him. I was too preoccupied as I watched my boyfriend follow Queenie out. Thank you for listening to the Alien Beer Podcast. If you like my stories, please visit my website, sillyhatbooks.com. I publish as E. Chris Garrison, and my books may be found in paperback, ebook, and audiobook format on Amazon.com and other places.